Hey, if you're visiting this morning, we're so glad that you're here, including those of you who came to watch your kids sing. If you don't have a place to worship, we'd love to just invite you to come back as we pursue Jesus, the baby who was born a king, and we hope that you'll come back next Sunday. We also hope that you'll join us for Christmas Eve. We're delighted that you're here, and just make this a journey together. I think it would be fun. Uh, We are launching a Christmas series today called Jesus, Light of the world, and you know, one of my favorite Christmas decorations has always been not the nutcrackers, although I think they're pretty cool and unique, not the garland, not the wreaths, but really my favorite Christmas decoration, which is more than a decoration, is the nativity. I just love the nativity. Would anybody agree with me that you love the nativity? I would hope so, your Christ followers. Would anybody agree with me that you love the nativity? All right. It's great. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I feel like it keeps me grounded. I feel like it keeps my focus where it ought to be. I try to make sure it's always at a central location in our home where everything kind of revolves around it. What's funny about nativities, especially over time, is that the figurines become, especially if you have little children, action heroes. Are you aware of this? And they play with the shepherds and the wise men. These things aren't typically made of plastic, so this can become problematic. They're typically made of porcelain. And I'll never forget a couple years ago when we were visiting North Carolina from Wisconsin and we came to my mom and dad's home and my little daughter, Caroline, who was almost three at the time, came in to see all of us in the kitchen from the living room and she had her hands turned up like this and in one hand she had a wise man and in the other hand she had the wise man's head. You've heard of headless horsemen. This was headless magi. And she just had this look of sorrow and sadness on her face. And we immediately consoled her. My parents were so gracious. They said, it's going to be okay. My dad went for the super glue and healed the wise man. Yeah, God works in mysterious ways. And everything turned out okay. How many of you, if you're honest, as parents, your nativity has taken a beating too over the years? Anybody here? Who would say, just for a quick poll, who would say that you have like a donkey's leg broken on your nativity? Anybody in the room? There's one donkey's leg broken. Any more? One back here. Anybody missing part of a shepherd's staff on your nativity? There's a few more hands. Okay. Anybody have broken the gift that the Magi were carrying? Anybody here? What about the hands of the Magi? Anybody missing hands? Another one. Okay. See, the more I think about nativities, they look great 
from a distance, but when you get up close, you see that they can be aesthetically undesirable. Anybody feel like that about your life? You feel like from a distance you look put together, but when somebody parts the curtain and peers in to your crash, your home, that it can look a bit disheveled. The symbolism of broken appendages and missing features and gobs of super glue is not lost on me. Church from a distance, our lives look good, but every one of us has dark days. We have days where we don't want to get out of bed and face our job, our spouse, people that love us dearly. We wonder, can we move forward? We talk a lot this time of year about peace and joy and hope and love. But as Preston mentioned, there is always a bit of irony because if we're honest with ourselves, those emotions are hard to come by in the Christmas season. So as joyful as the holidays may be, they can be particularly dark too. We face, in your outline, you'll see dark days of disappointment. Of disappointment, we face dark days, secondly, of stress. We face dark days of doubt, and we face dark days of depression. So if that's you, I've got some awesome news for you today. Jesus is the light of the world, and he came to bring light to your dark days. He is good. He is faithful. He is a beacon. He can light up any locale. He is wonderful. He is majestic. He brings us salvation. He gives us a forever home in heaven. He also helps with navigating life. We all have dark days, but Christmas is about God bringing light into dark places. This is what John tells us in chapter 12, verse 46. The message paraphrase says it this way, I am light that's come into the world so that all who believe in me won't have to stay in the dark any longer. How many of you are glad that we don't have to remain in the dark? That Jesus draws us into the light of himself. How beautiful. He truly is the light of the world. He's the only one that can bring real and lasting light into our dark days and his light absolutely changes everything that it touches. First point in the second part of your outline, God encourages you when you're disappointed. How many of you have discovered God to be an encourager when you're disappointed? God can lift up our countenance. He can lift up our heads. He can bring light into our darkness. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Matthew, in the first chapter of his biography of Jesus' life, we find this genealogy 
of the Messiah. And if I were writing the genealogy of Jesus, I would probably skip most of the people that Matthew listed, everybody from Abraham to Mary. I'd probably leave them out and just talk about Jesus' mother because there's a lot of sin and there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of darkness in that list of folks. I'd like to just show you quickly, this is what we read in Matthew 1, beginning with verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now let me ask you something, why would Matthew mention Tamar in his genealogy of Jesus? A character whose story reveals injustices toward women and consequences of sexual sin on families, why do you even bring that in if you're Matthew? We're not listing every generation necessarily in these, gener- these uh, genealogies. Then he continues, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab the prostitute? Mentioned in the genealogy of the Savior? God among us? Emmanuel? And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, do you remember how Ruth got her husband? She asks Naomi how to draw his attention, and Naomi said, you ought to get him drunk. So Ruth says, okay. She followed her counsel, and we're quick to judge, but let me ask you this. How many of you found your spouse in a similar circumstance? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Isn't it awesome that God redeems? He's still doing it today. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. I'll read that sentence again. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. How many of you would say that's a dysfunctional sentence? That's not healthy. I mean, if you're embarrassed at your family reunion, just imagine how embarrassed Jesus was at his family reunions. It's not lost on me that for some of you, when you look back at your past, all you see is disappointment. The hope of Christmas is that Jesus' light pierces our darkness. That's the hope of Christmas. 
It's not that there was never darkness. We all have darkness. It's that his light breaks through it. I guess what I'm saying to you is that I think we read Matthew 1 wrong. Tamar went through familial abuse, but there was this sweet and beautiful moment of reconciliation. Rahab was a harlot, but she saw the faith and hope of the Israelite spies and she knew that she'd rather have their God than her own and she knew he was the one she needed to worship and she allowed the light of Christ to shine into her whole family. Ruth had a sketchy moment down on the threshing floor. No doubt... But soon she found herself protected in a faithful marriage. And if God can call David a man after his own heart, after he premeditated the murder of the husband of a woman who he enjoyed being the peeping Tom of, then I'd submit that the light of Christ can shine through your pain this morning. Your disappointment. Your hard-heartedness. Your gray areas. Your utter blackness. Your obstinance. Your pain. Jesus can heal it all. Second point, God strengthens you when you're stressed. Matthew 18, verse 1 and 19 through 21 says this. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that phrase, before they came together, didn't mean before they got acquainted. That meant means before they came together. Before they were intimate with one another. What we read is that she's found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Let me ask the moms in the room, did being with child cause you stress? Did being with child cause you mental stress and emotional stress and relational stress? Stress, of course, physical stress. I think it's safe to say Mary, the mother of Jesus, was stressed. And that's not to mention that she has never been with a man. She is pregnant by, not impregnated by, as if something weird took place. But she's pregnant by the gift of the Holy Spirit who put in her womb Jesus Christ. To everybody else, she was pregnant, oh yeah, by the Holy Spirit. Sure. Can you imagine trying to defend yourself on that one? Verse 19, and her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, he didn't even believe her. 
As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you think the fact that Joseph's son would be the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for may have added a little stress to Joseph's life? I mean, sure, the angel came to Mary privately. The angel came to Joseph privately. There was no announcement to the town, at least not now. God spoke a word to each of them internally, but their external circumstances did not change right? They were still in relationship with other people. Mary, knowing that the baby inside of her was from God, didn't change the fact that nobody else knew the baby inside of her was from God. I don't want to ruin your favorite Christmas song this morning. Mary, did you know? But she knew. She did. Nobody else knew, but she knew that this baby was from the Lord. We should theologically soundly be singing, Everybody else, did you know (laughs) that her baby boy, because that's what happened. She knew. How many of you have ever felt like God promised you something on the inside but didn't give anybody else the memo? God gave you revelation. God gave you word. God gave you inspiration. God gave you an entrepreneurial idea. And no one else heard about it. That's church planting, by the way. When God tells you to go plant a church... People don't always respond to that news favorably. Everybody thinks it's a fool's errand. Maybe God told you you were going to have a child after multiple miscarriages. Maybe you're ready to mingle this morning, but you're still single. What do you do when your external circumstances don't line up with what you feel God has placed inside of your heart. Maybe you're thinking this morning, did God really say that to me? Did I hear him correctly? Let me remind you, the Christmas is the light of God's faithfulness as a fact that you can stand on. You don't need to waver in it. He's with us, God incarnate. Anybody here ever had chili con carne? (laughs) Chili with, with meat, right? God with meat, with flesh. He came down to help us, to guide us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me Strength. Number three, God guides you when you're doubtful. Anybody like me, you have doubts? Some days are harder than others. 
You'd love to be this polished, full of faith, mature disciple in Jesus, but sometimes you waver, sometimes you're blown by the wind. John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus promises, if you follow me, I will be a guide to your path. I'll light it up. I'll show you the way. I'll even take it this far. Jesus not only said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said elsewhere in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Not only does Jesus' light guide us, but his light through us guides others. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have a wonderful counselor. Good counselor. Anybody ever met with a bad counselor? Man, how miserable. I've had a bad counselor before. What a terrible experience. Isn't it awesome knowing he's a wonderful counselor? Like he actually gives good advice? Are you willing to speak words of light into dark places this Christmas as his people? Are you willing to be the light of the world, not just follow the light of the world? Are you willing to make the ways straight? Are you willing to submit your schedule to acts of service? Just last Christmas, a few members of our life group in Wisconsin, we went to an assisted living facility and we, and we played bingo with some residents and nearly all of them came out. It was so fun. We played traditional and we played four corners and we played the full card blackout and we brewed coffee and we brought treats and it was just the most incredible evening. I got home and I said to Shannon, after having read chapter 2 out of the book of Luke to them, I asked them, would you be willing to stay and listen to the reading of the birth of Christ? And 13 out of 14 residents said yes and one left. But that's okay. <laughs> they stayed and they listened. And I got home and said to Shannon, honey, I feel like there's nothing I could have done this Christmas that is more valuable than what I did tonight. And I, I know some of you feel that way about Joyland. Yesterday, like maybe you went home and you said to your spouse, you said to your friend, you said to your roommate, there's nothing I possibly could have done that would have added more value to my life this Christmas than helping people, than just bringing a little bit of dignity, than just adding a little, peppering in a little bit of joy into someone else's life. 
Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If something loses its saltiness, it's us that's missing. Number four, God offers hope when you're depressed. Have you ever been depressed? Man, I have some people in my life who've been brutally affected by depression. It is very, very real. Some of us who have never experienced it or yet to experience it just have no clue of what people deal with, how it feels like their world is caving in on them, how they feel suffocated. This is what we read in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of who? Of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you've been through this morning. I won't pretend to have experienced what you've been through, but here's what I know. No matter the depths of your depravity, your loneliness, your anxiety, your stress, your depression, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence which can dwell within you, you can find freedom. You can find peace. This may be a day where you have woken up thinking that you were going to take your own life thinking that you could bear it no more, thinking that this is the end of your rope. And Christ's truth of a baby, a king sent from heaven to earth to die on a cross some 33 years later on your behalf for you can change your life. He's preparing a home in heaven for you. For the unbeliever, this life is as good as it gets. I get it. That's why it stinks. For the believer, this life is as bad as it gets. We have heaven to look forward to. Don't live in sullenness. Embrace a God who came to redeem you. And take your place. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. Everything ugly of ours was placed on Jesus on the cross. Everything beautiful of his became ours when he hung there. This is for you. His blood was spilt for you. He was born to die for you. Just think of the pressure that a teenage girl must have faced when she realized she was carrying God. And yet listen to what Mary said. Overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My soul glorifies the Lord. 
Classic musicians call this text the Magnificat. This is her song, they say. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God is mindful of you today. God knows exactly where you are today. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, she says. You too can change your family tree today. Your children and grandchildren can live differently beginning today. She says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but he sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. God is available to you today. You know, when you build a house, my sister who's here this morning is building a house. And when you build a home, darkness is the default. You have to shell out money. You have to pay to bring the light in. You have to pay to put the windows in. You have to pay to bring the transformer in. You have to pay for the fixtures. You have to pay for the light bulbs. You have to pay for the porch lights. You have to pay for the shed lights. When we built a church in Wisconsin, we didn't hire a darkness contractor. We hired a lighting contractor. In the same way, darkness is the absolute default of the world that we live in. So... What's the first thing that God created? Do you remember? The light of the world created light to govern us by day and by night. He spoke light into existence. In our world, the default is darkness, and in our souls, the default is darkness. We are born sinners. We desperately need a savior. We need help. If you would just say today, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm just saying you've discovered in your life that you need the help of the Lord. Will you just raise your hand and agree with me? I can't do it on my own. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not omniscient. I don't know everything. I just need the Lord. And now I'd like to ask, is there anybody here who would say, would you stand with me this morning? That my days are dark 
I know the Lord, but this has been a challenging Christmas. I've spoken with some of you who are in this boat. I need prayer. I need healing. I need a miracle. I need change. I need God to light up my world. Would you lift your hand this morning? I just want to pray for you today. Wow. How many of you would say that you don't know, you can put your hands down, you don't know the Lord, and your life has been full of darkness, and you believe this morning that he died for you, that he walked out of the grave unassisted some three days later, and that he's preparing a home for you in heaven today for the first time, and you would like to place your faith in Christ today and inherit a home in heaven. If that's you, would you just lift your hand this morning? Nobody will celebrate more than this room. Anybody at all want to become a Christian today? We had an 80-something-year-old lady give her heart to the Lord Monday night a couple weeks ago. Such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Anybody at all want to say yes to Jesus today? Heavenly Father, I just pray that what that means is that everybody here knows you and loves you. Lord, if I missed a hand, I pray that you would illuminate this individual, their life today, these individuals, God, that you would lead them, guide them, give them firm footing for their feet. Lord, I pray that you would give them a great church. I pray that you would give them in addition to your Holy Spirit, who's the wonderful counselor, great friends, a great community to show them how to be a Christian, to disciple them, to invest in them in a relational way. And Lord, I just pray for those here who are going through darkness, who know you, love you, have already been transformed and changed by you, but Jesus, they are in desperate need of healing today of financial solvency today, of emotional wounds being mended today, of, of relationships in disrepair made whole today. Lord, I pray whatever needs are represented in this room, God, that you would show up and encounter us, Lord. That you would save us. We're already saved. We're not yet saved. We're still on this side of heaven. Lord, that you would give aid today, give help today, speak peace today, give us joy today. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.